Welcome. This is Talking Joy, creating joy, inner peace, and authentic connections. My name is Pam Rotelli-Robertson, and I am founder of lifestyle brand Talking Joy. As a certified spiritual director, I have been leading groups with the power of words, the strength of positivity, and the gift of joy. During our time together, our focus will be on simple spiritual practices that can be applied to your everyday life with the wisdom and support of others. Talking Joy talks to help you realize your value. I am so glad you're here. Simple, joyful, fun. Let's get talking. I am so excited for you to meet my guest today, Dr. Sandra Lewis. She's a personal energy strategist. She serves high-achieving women professionals who want to recover or prevent burnout, stress, and anxiety. As a clinical psychologist, yoga teacher, and Qigong practitioner with years of clinical teaching and consulting experience, Dr. Sandra has a unique ability to blend evidence-based strategies and ancient wisdom into a practical formula for sustainable success and fulfillment. She's also founder of The Living Source and author of the book, Life in Four-Part Harmony. It's a method designed to help you find your rhythm and stay in tune, no matter what is happening around you or what life demands of you. She says an infinite power source make everything happen for you and help you create and get just what you need out of life. Welcome to Talking Joy and I'm so glad you're here with me today and uh, I just want to say that um, there are certain people that you meet in your life that you are immediately um, attracted to but when I met you it was at Beth Nydick's house we were all sitting around her big dining room table having a rise meeting and I looked down at the end of the table and I saw you and you were just glowing. And I was like, who is that woman? <laughs> and I need to get to know her. And I, and I slowly did over time, you know, through, the, through RISE, this uh, women's entrepreneur group um, for women in the health and wellness industry. And, and, uh, and now you and I are on kind of on the advisory board. I would guess yeah. we could call it for that. And so it's been an absolute pleasure getting to know you. And the feeling that I felt that day was so authentic because as I've gotten to know you over the years, um, you really do have this, this energy and this light about you that's just so good. Um, and when you were at my house recently, um, we did like a social distance porch thing. Yeah. <laughs> And you had a mask on when you first got here. And I was so bummed because when you talk, I love watching you talk because it's, you have this great energy about it. And I couldn't see your mouth when you were talking <laughs> until after we ate and then you took the mask off and then, yeah. and then I got to see Sandra again. Um, yeah. So, so welcome, you know, it's my um, honor and privilege to, to sit you. down and talk hey. to you today and about your work and, yeah. It's my pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity and thank you for that beautiful introduction and welcome because um, it's always uh, one of the best ways to get you to know yourself is through other people. So because so many times we just miss things about ourselves that people appreciate. Mm. Um, that was actually one of my words last week as I took my walk. I've been choosing words when I walk. And yeah. one of the words I chose was self-appreciation. And I invited everybody to think about that. And then to think about a time somebody thanked them for something and just notice what was it that they appreciated about you and do you appreciate that about yourself? So thank you for that. Yeah. Oh, and so I think it's amazing that you just received it <laughs> because I felt a little corny saying it, but it was really true. Uh, and, and I love that you received it. And, and that's another thing that I wanted to talk to you a little bit about um, and about your work is that, um, you know, you help women sort of grow it. You can talk a little bit more about that, but growing into themselves. And um, I love that you do the work too, because that's so important because somebody can talk to you until the cows come home. But unless you're living that truth yourself, I think that that makes a teacher. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, really. We, I think one of the things I've learned is that we get good at teaching things we've learned well. Yes. And the more we learn something, the better we get at teaching it. And I've learned that even from, you know, teaching college students, but certainly from living life and doing personal development and understanding that process of it. And, you know, being patient with the process, being compassionate with yourself, 
you know, the more you learn that, the more it's e the easier it is to get someone else to practice that compassion and that self-acceptance and let that be the doorway to their expansion. Yeah. Even the way that you said that was soft. And if we can be soft with ourselves, there's so much healing comes behind that. So tell me how, how did you, I mean, I know a little bit because I know you, I know a little bit about your history and you have um, this rich family history that I think plays big into your ancestors, into your work, but how did you get on this road or this path to wanting to help others? Yeah. Uh, and it's interesting because the first thing that flashed into my, my mind was um, knowing that I wanted to be a psychologist at 15 years old. Mm. And that was in part because I used to watch soap operas with my grandmother. And there was always somebody who was seeing a psychotherapist. <laughs> and they would, they would like help them think about their childhood and, you know, what happened to them and why they were having these struggles. And I was like, oh, this is really good. Like you could help people this way. It, it appealed to me. And then when I was 13, even that was 15, by this time, I know I'm going to be a psychologist. But at, at 13 was when my mother introduced my brother and I to our first spiritual teacher. It was a Christian church. Um, but she, interestingly, she also went to this ashram every year. So she, there's a little bit of Buddhism infused in this, this practice. And she started to teach us about the power of our own mind and the power of connecting with God and ourselves. And that, that connection between us and God and us helps to change us and make the world better. Mm. So we just started to get this sense that the way you're thinking and feeling about yourself, if you shift that, your whole world will shift. So that made so much sense to me that when I, by the time I figured out, oh, I want to be a psychologist at 15, and then I went to graduate school and they said, oh, there's this theory called cognitive behavior therapy, where you work with people on the way they think. And as they, they change the way they think, they also change these emotional patterns and they go from being depressed to actually being able to navigate their experiences better. So it, it literally started as a kid. I fell in love with the idea that we could change our world from the inside out at the age of like 13, 14. By 15, I already knew I wanted to be a psychologist. I could see that that was the road. And it's just kept expanding from there. I've studied all kinds of traditions. You know, I studied Qigong, I studied yoga, I studied Buddhism, I studied Taoism, I studied the Yoruba tradition. So, and all of these things excite me, like from the base of my spine to the crown of my head. I just feel like, yeah, hey, look at that. Well, we can learn from that. So the richness of it, the richness of the research stuff and the ancient wisdom just makes the work come alive for me. So, and that, you know, that's how it has, and it keeps evolving. There, there's no way for the work to ever stop. It just keeps going because it's so connected to life and the way life flows and moves. Yeah. So how did you know at 15 that you could do it, that you had the stuff? Yeah. So at 14, I led my first church service by myself. Wow. Okay. Tell 14. me about that. <laughs> yeah. That was my spiritual teacher that my mother introduced us to her at 13. And she was a real metaphysical Christian, right? So she would like, she's teaching these scriptures, but she's saying, these are the things that Jesus did and that we are, we are suspected to do these works and even greater works as the Bible says. Right. So already at 13, my brother was eight. <laughs> I'm 13. And she's already like seeding us like with these ideas that we're supposed to do great things as great as Jesus did. Yeah. So by the time we're taking meditation class with her and she's helping us to develop our spiritual gifts and to be able to develop our intuition and hear spirit and maybe even see just to see what comes through for us. By the time I'm 14, it's like, hey, is your it's now as you need to you you're gonna do what's called a demonstration, which means you're going to actually allow people to see God, you know, demonstrate the power of God coming through you. And I literally at 14, Pam, I had to fast for a few weeks for my, to prepare myself. I had a Bible verse that I had to learn or set a Bible verse I had to learn. I had to figure out what the message was because I had to read it and I had to deliver a message based on that scripture. And you had to understand it. Sounds I like. had to understand it. And I had to figure out how I could say it to the audience so that it would make sense to them and they would get it. Mm 
So I was 14 and my fasting consisted of me skipping breakfast, having lunch, waiting six hours, having dinner, and then not having food until 12 the next day. Wow. So that was 14 years old <laughs> that I started this process of this is how you're going to prepare yourself. You're going to be so you can hear the message. You're not caught up in. There were no sweets. I couldn't eat any cookies or cake. I had to give up all these things until, right, I did my demonstration um, and prepared myself. It was like this is the first, my first experience of spiritually preparing myself. So with that, and with all the years of growing up in a Christian tradition where you learn things and you have to recite them in church or, or you know, um, plays at school where you had to be in, in, in front, I was being prepared, right? Like you taking responsibility, making a difference. That's a part of what you do with your life. So yeah. the message was in me, like all of my life. We never got to not have that message. Okay. But yeah. what I'm hearing um, is that your first teacher was your mother. Yeah. And your Absolutely. second teacher was this woman. Absolutely. And you were receiving of those teachers that were passed on your, Absolutely. Onto your or placed rather onto your path. Yeah. And, and you know, many traditions, they say that, you know, we choose our parents because there's something we need from that parent, that parent, we need to come through that line for some reason. And even if the road is hard, we've made that choice choice because there's some way we're going to develop right as spiritual beings around that. Yeah. So my mom is definitely still one of my greatest spiritual teachers yeah. to this day. Yeah, and my mother was too. Lots yeah. and lots of uh, great wisdom that I and here's what I was, I guess I was leading into um, just listening to you talk was that you said that was my first spiritual teaching and this preparation to give this um, sermon or talk at your church. Now, do you lean in on that still? On you prepare yourself for big events in, in you, you bring, you brought that with you, that tool that you got early on, you may have shaped it in different ways. Um, yeah. today as you've matured. But uh, I guess that's my question is because I think so many people learn things as children, but we forget. Yeah. And I think what you might be teaching women is that self-remembering mm -hmm. that we already know how we had teachers, but yeah. see, you were wide awake for it. That's the difference maybe uh -huh. is you were so awake at, and receiving of it at a young age. Um, and how, yeah. yeah, so I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, you know, interestingly, Pam, like looking back on it now, I can say to you that inside of me, it felt right. I mean, and there were times, of course, you know, your parents tell you to do things, they want you to do things, and you're like, no. But I literally asked my mother, my mother was going to this church, I was like 13, yeah, I was 13, so we were, and it was only like two or three blocks away from where we lived, so we could literally walk there. And at first she was just going, she would just tell us she's going down the streets of this church. You're like, what church are you going to? Why are you going to this church? And then she explained the gifts of this lady. And I asked to go. I asked. I said, I want to go. Mm -hmm. So I requested to be a part of this thing with my mom that she was now doing. She was expanding her spirituality. And I wanted to know. I want, and I, so I don't know what it was in me that said I needed to go. But I listened and I went. And I would say that for sure. What I learned in that time was when you are doing your work in the world, it is important to prepare yourself. It is important to connect with your own divine self, your own purpose, your own inner guidance. Because if you do not connect with that inner guidance, you can just get pulled, right? Because yes. I could have just been doing the thing because my teacher said, you, it's your turn now. Yeah. You need to do this. I'm getting a message from spirit that this is what you need to do. But I had to prepare myself to be able to take that on. And she knew that. Mm -hmm. So she gave me a way to prepare myself. And I still do. Sometimes now, because I've done it for a long time, I've learned shorter things that I can do to bring myself into that alignment with my inner guidance. And you can do it quickly. Yeah, and, and so that's one of the gifts that you have. And even I was thinking of you in the night because I woke up around four, one of my dogs needed to go outside at four in the morning for some reason. And I was having trouble falling back asleep. 
and I thought of you and I did the, ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah. put my hands to my chest and, and you could tell a little bit about that. You know, I sort of did this rotating yeah. in my heart space yeah. to sort of yeah. calm myself back down, um, to get more rest. And I did think of you cause you have so many great little tools, um, like that, you know, yeah. simple practices yeah. that absolutely. And interestingly, Pam, I woke up at four o'clock this morning as well. Oh. And I thought it was related to like, oh, I have the first 120 seat section of my class is meeting at 815 in the morning. I need to make sure I'm ready for these kids. And I had this thought, oh, you could use this for your class. And I woke up and I did that. I, you know, and it was like in a half an hour or so I'm ready. I said, okay, I can go back to bed now. And so when I laid back down, I literally did that, that energy gate because I knew I was a little bit and I wanted to slow myself down. So what I taught you, the four energy gates, is from my Qigong grandmaster and his grandmaster, um, teaching us how to really get into the deepest level of energy, vital life force energy that pumps, that makes everything in our, our bodies and our minds and our emotions work well and work as a team. So there are four of those gates, you know, in the body and the one right in the center of the chest, like literally right in the, in the breastbone where people call the heart chakra. Mm -hmm. um, in Chinese medicine behind there is where all of your energy systems, like they cross and there's like an intersection behind there where all your 14 meridians have a little meeting place. And so when you put your hand there, you just gently massage the center of your chest. It's like literally reaching inside to touch all of the, the vital life force energy in you and to allow that energy to calm and to soothe and to find your way back to sleep, which is I said, now I've been up for a few minutes. I'm going to be awake. I'm going to have to find a way to soothe myself. Mm -hmm. So these strategies that we have for being able to take ourselves out of too much arousal, uh, are really important, particularly in this day and time where we're often feeling just out of sorts and off kilter and not knowing which way to go. Mm -hmm. uh, this can just bring us back to the moment. So I have several of those little strategies that I teach people because we know, right, how easy it can be for us to get thrown off. Yes. And even for me, going out to let the dog out at four o'clock in the morning it was stimulating. And when I laid back down, I knew that I needed to do something that was simple and quick, but mm -hmm. also even when you talked it, your yeah. voice slowed down a little bit yeah. and there's that rhythm and, yeah. and it, I went back to sleep. And so mm -hmm. it does work. And I love, um, one of the things that excites me in my work is I love tangible, quick, easy things that people yes. can do anywhere, anytime, you know, Absolutely. with the breathing and adding a word to it. Or, you know, I, I love, and I'd love for you to talk about this a little bit because it makes me smile every time I open Facebook and I see you out doing your, your <laughs> walk in the morning. Uh, but you've been meditating or you can, you can tell it, but what, you know, what I'm seeing from it is that you're meditating in the morning or you're waking up and whatever word um, and, and I also think intuitively you woke up at 4 a.m. because it was a message for you. It was. Clearly, I woke up because it was still in the back of my mind about how to be able to have these two screens work uh, with my work. And I was like, I'm not sure how to do this because I don't have the right connector for one computer. And then it was like, dang, I woke up and I was like, oh, but you can use your home computer mm -hmm. because it has this. And it was just the idea came to me. Yeah. So the solution, so, the solution came. Exactly. Right. Just right here. And so this is something I often say to people. Uh, and my grandmother taught me this. My father's mother taught me this, that anytime you wake up between four and six in the morning, that spirit calling you. Mm. She said, that is the time of morning to pray. That's when your prayers are most powerful. When you wake up at that hour, that is, that is like the hour when, when there's just rich energy for you to pull on. So I woke up and I was like, oh, I hear, that's what I need to do. And I went right to it and it made my life go so much easier this morning, right? When I got to my class, yeah. what I've been doing, but what I teach people in my book is that the first two minutes of your day, let them be yours. Because when you first are awake, nobody really knows when you're awake except you. Mm, I love that. Like, you don't, you're the first person to know you're awake. Yeah. 
So unless somebody comes, like a little kid comes, mom, mom, right? And they're right in your face, waking you up, right? Then they know you're awake when you open your eyes. But generally speaking, even when you're in in the bed with someone, you know, you're the only person that knows when you're really awake. So if you take that first two minutes and just tune in to who you are, what's important to you in the world, and just allow yourself to feel you and your own People might say their divine connection or their connection to their purpose. Just remember that. Mm. You know what I keep hearing in my head, Sandra, is uh, is Rumi. Don't go back to sleep. Don't go back to sleep. The breeze at dawn has secrets to tell you. Don't go back to sleep. Yes. And that's, I thought of that when you were talking about that, you know, what your grandmother said between 4 a.m. and 6 a.m., yeah. And I love this idea that I've, that's never occurred to me that no one else knows you're awake and what a perfect, and you said, and here's the other br- brilliant thing you said is two minutes. Yeah, two, two minutes. minutes. Two minutes. That, and that's, that's one of the things I try to do is to give people things that they can easily integrate. Like I'll have a client and I'm saying, okay, I just want you to take like two or three minutes, two or three times a day and just stop and focus on your breath. And if they're struggling with that, I know I can't take them to the next step where I'm going to give them like a 30 minute meditation to do. I got to wait until they start to feel the rhythm of their own ability to stop and and fit things in. Right. What's that patience that you were talking about at the very beginning is being very patient with people and how often, and you, I have this happen and I'm sure you do too. People want the quick fix. Like Sandra, Dr. Sandra, tell me how to just, how how to feel. Can I just make this go away? And we, I used to say to people, we used to say this time when we taught, and I, when I taught yoga, I taught yoga for like seven years. And, I, and we would say like, look, it didn't take your body one hour to get to this point of tightness. Mm-hmm. So don't think in this one hour, hour and a half class is going to be over. You're going to be patient and you're going to just be so grateful for one millimeter more of flexibility. You're going to treat that like it's so good that it's so marvelous Mm-hmm. that you're going to love looking for that next millimeter, right? Like, so if we find the gratitude and the compassion for every moment where we make the smallest change, then we can start to see like how to expand that change. But if we are like, oh my God, I just did that little bit. We're, we're right here. Yeah. If we say, look at that, right. Then we start to find openness. And that's, you know, that's the difference between using your energy to focus down on one thing versus using your energy in a way that allows you to expand. Mm. And so what I'm hearing is that the moment that you're aware that you're awake, you are grounding yourself, meditating, thinking about a word. So let's, can we lead in back to the walks that you're doing? Yeah. Do you hear a word or a phrase? Do things, things, I'm yeah. hearing that things come to you. And then when you go out for your walk that you tape, um, so yeah. go ahead and talk about I look for them. So yeah. So in the morning I have a set of affirmations that I've created over several years uh, that helped me to ground myself into my, like, here I am, you know, the power of God. Some people use the power of God is within me, right? The mm-hmm. love of God surrounds me. It can be anything, but whatever grounds you, right? And I have my own set that I use. Sometimes it's related to a word that I've felt like sometimes I've chosen words at the beginning of the year and I created affirmation around them. Um, so one year was like community. So I created the affirmation, my community of loving people and relationships grows deeper, wider, and stronger every day. Mm. So I've kept that one. So I just meditate on those. I say them. And then sometimes I might pull a card from a reflection deck or a gratitude deck, or I just might meditate there. And I kind of notice what I'm feeling, what my own tuning into myself is, is what's bubbling up for me. I pay a lot of attention to the first thoughts I have in the morning. When I first wake up, what's on my mind? Because what that's, that's me telling me what I need. So I pay a lot of attention to that. Okay, what what am I feeling this morning? Can I just have you pause for one second? Because what I'm hearing, Sandra, is that because so so many times we think it's a negative if we wake up at four in the morning. We think we look at the clock and you think, oh, dear Lord, I'm going to be tired all day. But what I'm hearing is, wow, we can really flip the perspective on that because you got clarity on something you were trying to figure out. There's my gift. Yeah. And yeah. but then you were able to go back to sleep. So when you did wake up for the day, 
you weren't, your mind was cleared yes. of that worry. Yeah. And then you, it opened up this place for you to set your intention, which exactly. changes everything. Because when we start having those thoughts and those intentions, it becomes our reality. Exactly. Oh, and so I when, I, when I do this in the morning now, it just said, hey, I th and I, I'm going to take a walk because, you know, we've been sitting a lot more and I am not accustomed to sitting this much in my life. So I was like, I want to just start walking. That was, it was like, again, I just kept listening to my body. I just kept saying, what do you want? I was like, I'm not doing bar method right now. What do I want? And I just kept, and my body was like, I want to walk. I just kept, I heard walk. And so I said, okay, it's time to start walking. And so when I started walking, I was like, hey, you know, I've been working on this goal. Let me just think. As I look around, I'm going to have something in mind about this goal I'm working on. And let's see what comes up. Because I trust that as I'm walking and I'm, you know, I'm interacting with the world and the energy and the flowers and the trees around me that I could get stimulation. If I just give myself the intention that I want to focus on self-appreciation or courage or whatever, right? One day it was powerful. Yeah. I wrote down well, some of your words. You just named a bunch of them. Yeah. And so I was like, Oh, so let me see what I can learn about powerful as I walk around. And when I say it, sometimes a quote will come to me, like when I was talking to you, the roomy quote came. And so I, then I just started sharing it in my Facebook group. I posted on Instagram. I, all these things I, I do because that's me listening from my inner guidance because, and, and recognizing that if it's coming up in me, it is here for me to use. Yes. And you're not just taking it for yourself you're offering it out to others. And then there's this amazing ripple effect of like, you don't know how many lives you've touched. No, but what I know is that I am in this space of being accepting of what's coming up for me and that I'm gonna share that with other people because I want them to have that same sort of self-acceptance. Mm. I feel like that's, that's a real gift. And that, that is one of the things that can help us shift in these incredibly powerful ways when we just say, well, what's coming up inside of me right now? It's not always pretty. Yep. Right. But if something scary comes up, then you just ask, well, what do I need? Like, what, what is this? What am I asking for? What am I saying I need? And you focus on that. You walk, right? Because my body asks for walking. I'm saying, I don't know, because I feel tight. I'm never this tight. This is a yoga body. I'm used to being a yoga person. I don't really know. Um, and I, because that came, you know, that felt like the right thing to do. I feel like, okay, so this is a space of creating something, you know, creating some shifts and some change and some growth in my life. So I just kept expanding on it. <laughs> I never, I didn't think people were going to have that big of a response to it, but they have had. Well, it's because you're so happy. It's contagious. <laughs> it really is. It's, the, it's that smile that I couldn't see behind the mask. It's, it yeah. is contagious. And, and when I see you, I know I'm going to get a dose of sunshine or some little nugget to, to take for my day. Um, but I love that you are so open to receiving. And this, is, this leads into one of the questions that I had thought about asking you um, when I was you know, just reading stuff from your website. And, and uh, you were talking about a lot of people being burnt out and doing so many things. And um, you know, this was all before the pandemic. So if we think about what life was like and the people that you were working with or you know, the students and everybody was, um, you know, just over, overburdened mm -hmm. yeah. um, so in the before. Um, so, you know, you said anxiety, fatigue, overwhelm. And my question for you is, and is what about now? So we've been in this great slowdown where you can actually, you know, I mean, I saw a man and his son walking down the street one day laughing in the middle of the day, you know, last spring during, you know, when we were all quarantined. And I thought, wow, there's a father and a son like walking along the street. Like it was so unusual in yeah. the middle of the day. Okay. And yeah. so I guess, I guess what I'm getting at is that do you, do you think that people are finally able to listen in this way that you're saying this, this? So I think that there are a couple of things going on that, yes, definitely there are some signs that because we have had to be more quiet, 
that we are listening more, we are even gardening more. Another friend of mine has a podcast who's a gardener. And I was, I did a, a session with her um, and we talked about gardening and its relationship to our well-being and, you know, how the garden helps us understand ourselves, right? So there's that part. There are also groups of people who have so much more responsibility that there has been this increase in anxiety and depression, right? So that's the, that's what the data is showing us, the, the data, you know, that, you know, CDC and other yeah. um, agencies collect around depression. So we're seeing a lot higher rates of anxiety and depression for some people. And we're also seeing people say that, oh, my job, like they cut, they cut jobs, but then they gave those who were left a lot more responsibility. So we do have th that group of people who are feeling a lot more overwhelmed and burdened. And we also, though, have this, this group of people who have said, wow, I'm actually enjoying that I'm not running around and I'm spending it like walking with my kids. I've, all, I've loved seeing people walking with their kids and playing with their kids, taking their kids in the middle of the day when you would not even usually see that. Or you might see like people from the daycare center with a group of kids doing that, but you wouldn't see like small groups of parents and kids as we've been seeing now. I also think that that slowing down has made us much more empathetic to the challenges that we're facing. Mm. So as we watch all these issues around social justice coming up, we're seeing around the world, people are taking a stand like more and more, like it's not like in just in one community or one place because we had to slow down. We couldn't like say, oh my God, I'm, I really, oh, that's really sad. Let me go, I gotta run to the grocery store. Let me go, I gotta get whatever, right? we really had to be still. We couldn't eat. Some of these things were happening when we couldn't, we were not supposed to be outside unless it was absolutely necessary. Do you think it's so, making us more compassionate people? I think it's certainly making us have to look at how we, how we, what we value mm -hmm. and how we make sense of things that challenge our values in the world. And if we are going to make sense of that, a part of that will, I think, be us uncovering more of our compassion for others and our own compassion for ourselves. So maybe people are taking their blinders off, you know, yeah. especially around the social I, justice piece. Mm -hmm. I think certainly that's been a part of what's happening is like, wow, because so many people have said, I mean, literally cried. I've been in so many meetings where people cry because they said, how did I not know it was this bad? Yeah. How did I, I not realize that it was this bad? And we just keep getting more and more examples of how bad it is. So now people are like, wow, we have to change. They, they know that we need a change. Of course, there are going to be people who will say, well, that doesn't, that, that's not any proof. That's just one person. They, right. But on the whole, I think we're seeing a lot more people say, wait, we, I got to wake up in a different way. I, I've been asleep. Yes. Yes. So maybe, you know, there are so many gifts that have come out of this time in our lives um, that we have become more awake. You know, we want to change for the better. We, we knew how we were doing before, maybe wasn't working. And I think, you know, because I work with a lot of young moms, they knew it wasn't working. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I have four kids. I knew a lot of that wasn't working. It was crazy. You were just drawing torn in so many different directions. And yeah. now I feel like I'm really, making choices for my family and for my life and for the people in it very carefully. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree about that as well. And I think lots of people have seen that, that that really wasn't working. That pace I was keeping, that rushing around, that being like a robot on skates, um, putting my dreams on the back burner, all those things that can lead to us like burning out and just not loving our lives anymore. We realized like we were trying to do a thing. We were trying to do life rather than be in life. Yeah. And all of everything you're talking about and your work is about being in life, being in life, being in life, waking up in the morning and your first thoughts before anybody else knows you're awake. I know. It's um, yeah. And getting back to that walking, just a quick personal story. Um, I have uh, a daughter who it, it just wrote her college essay and she wrote it about walking. Oh, wow. And she said, and it was so fascinating to me when I read it. Um, she said that when she used to get up in the morning, her feet would hit the ground and they were on high speed. 
that she would, I would be calling her name, she would come down, she'd get in the car, we'd hurry to school, and she was talking about how she had three minutes to get from, you know, one class to the next, and she had figured out with her feet, if she walked very quickly through one classroom, there was a little back door in it, and she could cut through so she could get there on time. And then she talked about the contrast of now in quarantine, and not being in school and being at home, the walking, and that all of that was taken, that crazy energy that she put into all day long, racing from one place to the next, mm-hmm. was taken away. And then she talked about how her father invited her to walk with the dogs every morning real early. And she thought, oh, I don't think I want to do that. And she said there was such a gift in it because she started to notice things that she had never seen before. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And she started to notice that her pace was so much slower, that her walking had slowed down. And that frenetic, fast pace that we thought we were heading somewhere. Yeah. You know, we were missing out on everything that you're talking about. Yeah. It's like we were in a place of trying to catch up to our lives all the time. We were wanting trying to catch up to our life. Yes. And like we were behind our life once. Oh, I got to get to this. I got to get to this. I got to get to this. And now we're in this place of, oh, I'm in it. I'm in. This is my life. How do I want it to look? How do I want it to be? Uh, and I think this year we have lots of opportunity, right? And we learn a lot about how to create some flexibility around, oh, that's not working so well. I may want to shift that. And how, how do you know when you're going into that place personally? How do you catch yourself? Yeah, like my body talks to me a lot. I'm going to notice a tension in my shoulders. There's going to be some sensation. I also, again, I, I, I like to notice the barometer of when I wake up in the morning and how my body feels. Mm-hmm. Like, how am I feeling emotionally? That's a good barometer for me. The other, the other thing I do is, and I like to do it regularly throughout the day, like, hmm, what am I feeling? Where am I, right? You know, like, you're, you do a thing like, where are my feet? Yeah. Right? Like, where are my feet right now? To just come into the moment. So you're doing a check-in. So you check in with yourself. It's just so important and it's so easy. And so everything you've talked about, there's such simplicity behind it. It's it's really just this self-awareness and saying to myself, hmm, why last night one of the kids was asking me to frantically do online to find out their class schedule and I couldn't find the password and I could feel my neck all of a sudden and I caught it. And I thought, I need to stand up for a second and kind of just re- reset myself. Reset yourself. Exactly. So this, this awareness, right, this ability to be aware is one of the greatest human abilities. I feel like it's a superpower. Mm, it is. And wow. when you notice what you're thinking, feeling, sensing, sensing in your body, and you just sit with that, you, you hear it you kind of begin to see, well, where am I, right? So what was making me anxious about this? As even as I got ready for my first class, like the first time I'm teaching a 120 seat class online, this is always me having fun with the students in a big classroom. This is different. So I had to just wait as I started to feel worried about it. I said, okay, well, what am I worried about? So I was like, oh, and I could just, and I hear, uh, oh, you know, that they might get lost or they might not recognize how much I care about them. So then I, then, then that becomes the thing that guides you to think, well, oh, if you're worried about them not recognizing how much you care, think about what you've done to help them see that you care. Or what, would, what else could you do to help them see that? Mm-hmm. So that is, you know, that, that is the, the beauty of awareness because whatever is happening in, inside of you will guide you to come up with a plan, right? If it's, if it's like, oh, that's signaling you something's not right, you don't feel good about something, it's bringing it to your conscious awareness. Once something is in your conscious awareness, you can take action on it. You can make a decision about it. You can choose to say, but I've actually really, I've actually already done that. So let me breathe into how I've done that. Or, oh, here's the one more step I could take that would help me to feel more peaceful. Yeah. And so I feel for me personally, and, and I guess that's why I asked that question about this sort of before and after with the pandemic, is that uh, when I feel that anxious feeling of that urgency to do something now bubbling up, I'm like, oh, I don't like that anymore. Like I, can't, I, I maybe lived a little more like that than I was comfortable with before. 
But in the slowing down for me personally, I really let go of that feeling. Like I, you know, you didn't have to look at your calendar every five seconds and think I have to be here in this meeting, that meeting. I mean, some of it, but not, but letting go of that urgency that I think allowed for me to, as soon as I felt that anxiety, fatigue, you know, overwhelming feeling, as soon as I feel that bubble up, which I felt last night when I was trying to get online to do something fast, I was able to tap into what you're talking about. Um, And what I'm hearing is that, that that's the living source. (laughs) That's the living source. And you, right? All of that, right? That's the living source in you. Yeah. This ability to be aware, to create change, to shift, to be a creator yourself. Because the truth is nobody pours your anxiety or your stress. Nobody comes and says, oh, I'm going to give this to you. We create that from the inside out. And if we have this awareness that we are creating this thing, then we also have the awareness that we can create something different, right? We can learn from that thing and shift it. Often people will say to me, like, I'm going to step outside of my comfort zone. And I'll say to them, you don't have to really step outside of your zone. You can just expand it. Oh, I love that. Because you're already comfortable with these things. You know them, right? You might even be comfortable with your anxiety. But perhaps now you can expand and get comfortable with some times when you're not feeling so anxious. What if you added more of that? And, and, and I will tell you from the physiological standpoint, right? When you start to make things a habit, your brain starts to shift. It's like your brain gets into the pattern and it's like, oh, that's a trigger. That thing's not safe. Let's run away. Let's freeze. Let's whatever. But then you say, oh, but brain, we don't have to go there. There's actually another choice. And you keep making that choice over and over for yourself. Your brain creates new pathways. And you can find more calm. That's that's the beauty of mindfulness, like from the physiological standpoint, that you literally change your physiology to the point that when something uncomfortable comes up, you don't have that usual fight or flight kind of response to it. Um, And what I'm hearing is that uh, that we are in the driver's seat. And we get to choose at every moment at this tick of the clock and that tick of the clock. Yeah, exactly. And I like that tick of the clock. Yes, just we do, and we forget. And and so often people say, "Oh, I can't make decisions. I have such a hard time making decisions." But what I'm hearing from you today is that if we quiet ourselves enough, those answers are already there within us. Already, yeah, They're already there. And they or if they aren't, they come to us if we make the space yeah. for listening. And you know, even with your resolution to the computer problem, <laughs> came to you in that in that don't go back to sleep <laughs> yeah, time of day. You could do this this way. Oh, okay. Thank you. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. It's all in us, and you know, I I see it as as my work to help help people see. Right. It's all in you. We're just helping you get through the things that have been, you know, like this, it's the muddy water so you can see, right, the clarity that exists inside of you. Yeah. And so what a gift that you learned that as a young woman through the teachers that you were open to receiving all of that, which, you know, led you down the path, this great path that you've been on and that you're able to share that with others. And I would highly recommend that people follow you on Facebook and on your daily walks and (laughs) It's all, it's all, uh, it's all so inspirational. And um, like I said, that first time I ever saw you and I, I could just, you were glowing and I thought, who is that woman? And you were glowing because you were living from that source, you know, deep, deep within you that you've tapped into that at a young, as a young person, but it's that light, you know, it shines in all of us. Oh, yes. And what I'm hearing is that it's so easy to recognize it. Yeah. If we are able to just slow down, take a walk, listen yeah. for that word or that phrase that comes, the answers, yeah. um, the peacefulness that we're all searching for is, is, is right there within. And just even like to notice, right? The walks also help me connect to nature. Mm. As I say, oh, so my word is courage today. 
And then I'll look up and I'll see, oh my God, here's a group of sunflowers. I passed by here several times. I haven't noticed these sunflowers. Yeah. Okay, so what can sunflowers teach me about courage? Well, hey, it's about taking the heat, mm-hmm. <laughs> learn and still blossoming, right? Using the heat to help you blossom. So like when I looked at that, I was like, sun, sunflowers, that's a lot of heat. That's a lot of taking in heat. That's a lot, sometimes people might call difficulty, you know, hot water, but you could take that and use it to blossom. So that was, that was what I learned from the sunflowers. You know what's so funny is that I'm still hearing that quote in my head by Rumi, because I think there's another piece in it that I didn't say, which was, don't go back to sleep. It's not as evil as you think it is, or it's not a... I'll put it on the website. I love it. I think, too. <laughs> I think that's what you're saying is the heat is not as evil as we think it is. That it actually, we sometimes need to be temporarily uncomfortable in yeah, order. I mean, and if we watch the trees and the plants, right? It's not like when the summertime comes and the sun is like at its height and hottest, they don't go like, oh my God, we're like running away and we're going to close up. We're never, we're not going to give you any shade. They're like, okay, there's heat. How do we work with that? Well, the heat could go into the earth. It's a lot of a little bit cooler. I can use that in my roots. I can turn my leaves toward it. I can gather up this energy because when the fall comes, I'm gonna let these leaves go, but I can still absorb that into myself. And, right. So you can just imagine like they're having this co- a different conversation with the sun than yeah. we are. So And you're having a different conversation with yourself than a lot of us are. I that's it. It's so much fun to me, man. I love it too. It's so fun. I really so enjoy like, oh, look at that. And that I think in part comes from studying Taoism and studying Chinese medicine because every element of nature, right, in Chinese medicine is also a part of us. Mm-hmm. So there's a part of us that's associated with wood, like our meridians is associated with wood. So these trees show us about flexibility. So in, inside of us is this capacity for flexibility. So as I see that, right, and I wrote a blog post once about called Trees Ain't Scared. (laughs) And it was all about how they teach us about courage all throughout every season, how they change and how that teaches us about courage. So uh, I really enjoy, I really enjoy just connecting to the world around me. It's very easy for us to just get caught up in what's in our head. Yes. If you can take your walk or your run or you're out being outside and allow it to give you something. Just, you know, it's very nurturing for me. Yes. So what would you say um, in closing about the fall? We're about to head into the fall and things, you know, when we went into the pandemic, it was spring, at least here on the East Coast and things were awakening and we sort of saw this new birth and gives you hope. What would you say about trees and about how we are feeling as we go into that could give us encouragement and to look at it a little differently? Of Yeah, so I think fall is a great teacher. Um, fall like spring is a season when we have the equinox where we have equal day and equal night. So it is a season also about release. So I, I like, usually there's about three or four things that I see in fall. One is release. And I actually, that was one of my words this, this, this past week when I was walking. Is that there are things that we're going to let go of. But when we let them go, they'll just become fertilizer. Like the trees will let go of their leaves. So they'll fall to the ground, but the earth will take them because the earth is willing to, to break down anything. It can take her a while. But like anything you put in the earth, it's like, hey, I'm working with it. I'm breaking it down, trying to see what's here, what I can use. It's, it's, like, it's like the most faithful, right? My teacher says mm-hmm. it's the most faithful because the earth energy, right, will just, whatever you, if you give it plastic, if you give it grass or seeds, it's like, I'm trying to work with this thing. So it's going to, whatever we release is going to become fertilizer for something that we want to grow. So whatever you are releasing, even if it's uh, five pounds you want to release, but you notice in order to do that, you have to stop eating ice cream or cookies or whatever. You also want to think about what the ice cream and the cookies have been giving you other than a few extra pounds. It might have been pleasure. It might have been an anxiety relief because you want to get that thing still when you release. So fall will teach us about releasing. But as release, as we release, remember fall is also about balance, it's dark and light. So as we let one thing go, what are we opening up to receive? 
and also like how do we get the good that we maybe that we maybe have attached to that thing how do we still maintain it right how do we throw away the, the bath water without throwing away the baby yeah so and then recognizing that balance like nature shows us at twice a year we have this point where day and night are equal 50 50 but then it comes a time where day gets shorter and night gets longer and then it goes back again right so true balance is that's what it's really about it's about that give and take i need more energy over here now and less over there mm -hmm. and for all the 10 or thirty thousand things you have in your life you want to just notice where are you investing your energy more over here less over here well it's fall now the kids are back to school i might have to put a little bit more energy into morning time getting the kids together right it's fall now i may have to right have a little bit of extra time in the evening to work a little bit after i get the kids settled so right so you just start to think about because the seasons are clearly teaching us that we're shifting energy we put more in one place and that's 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 how i believe balance is i don't think it's a 50 50 all the time yeah. it's all it's always kind of figure out where needs the most energy at any given point in time yeah. and i know people can't see you but the way you're rotating your hands back and forth it's sort of like a dance yeah it's sort of I, like I talk soft, with my hands it's no really i do too hard. but it's this soft dance and i think that that gives me personally and hopefully every, anybody who's listening uh, comfort going into the fall and not seeing it as, oh, now things are dying and we're heading into this cold space. It's really about this balance and about letting go of what's not, maybe not serving us anymore. Yeah. yeah. And, and I that, think that's so helpful. Everything that you've said today is, is so, <laughs> so thank you for your time. And oh, your thank wisdom. you, Pam. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> yeah, it's always a pleasure to be in your company. And um, I wish you all the best. And thank you for, for yeah, sharing you your gift today. I'm Pam Rotelli Robertson, and you have been listening to Talking Joy, talks that help you realize your value while creating authentic connections with others. For more information about our talk today or to get in touch, you can find us at talkingjoy.org. And to keep the encouragement going, you can also follow Talking Joy on Instagram and Facebook. Simple, joyful, fun. Thanks for listening. This is Talking Joy.